I am amazed every time I go back into the Wadla because I see something different every time. This time you might see, um, you can witness the ecosystem taking place. You know, how um, the lions have to feed on other animals to get food. You get what I mean? Um, it's such a, like, it's a unique experience every time a person visits the wildlife because you see something different every time. Not having to see it on TVs, having to experience it in person. You know, sometimes you can even have the lion move very close to the vehicle, sit down over there, relax for a bit, leave. You know, such experiences. Um, you cannot just, you know, you cannot just tell somebody about it. You have to be there to see it for yourself and really connect with what you're seeing. Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller. I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement. Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast. Hey, Matt, how's it going? It's going fantastically, Josh. How are you? Ah, doing great. Awesome. Can't wait to get to our interview today, but question for you first. Bring it on. What were you doing when you were 21 years old? What was your life like? Oh, my goodness. Um, I think it was in college at the time, probably working summers at uh, Canopy Lake Park in New Hampshire. Um, maybe kind of working my way up there, starting that, starting that process. Um, yeah. How about you? What was your life like? I was in college and I was working at Hard Rock Park at Myrtle Beach and then came back down to Orlando to finish up school and was working at Universal. So uh, we were both working in theme parks. We were in yeah. school. Yeah. Neither of us were reviving a dormant business and taking on the role <laughs> of CEO to provide world-class experiences to people all over the world and essentially kind of build it up from scratch. You know, neither of us were really doing that at that time. No, we were not. But our guest today what there is actually i yes. should say not was is uh faith mbando uh is the ceo of best northern tours and safaris in tanzania and uh we get to talk to her today all about the experience of not only the tour business and the industry but also how she did take a dormant business revived it, rebranded it, is building a new team, and to your point, is now creating incredible experiences uh, for people that come from all over the world. That's right. We are going on safari today. This is uh, <laughs> just such an exciting interview. We get to learn so much about, uh, about the safari business, about Tanzania as a country, about what it's like being a 21-year-old CEO who's, who's really building this and the amount of uh, the amount of passion and determination that uh, that she has to uh, to really see through all these challenges, and and you know she doesn't shy away from saying this. You know this has been a very challenging experience, and I think that that makes it just all the more inspiring to learn about uh, everything that she's doing to to really build this business and make it everything that it can be. 
One of the things I think is really fascinating about this conversation is how she talks about finding a niche in a pretty saturated, in her words, um, tourism industry in Tanzania. And a couple of things that she's doing to kind of set herself apart or her business apart, um, very uh, very much driven, no pun intended, when it comes to vehicles by, by women uh, in the industry. And she's really looking to build that uh, uh, that portion of her business up because so much of the tourism industry in that area is, is male dominated, male driven. Um, but also she talks about sustainable practices and not just from a business standpoint, but also, you know, how she gets in her team members involved and even takes it to the guests to make sure that they're involved and they're practicing the sustainable practices, uh, that can help the animals and, uh, and really make the experience great for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, we even pull out and we look at macro socioeconomic factors that uh, that really impact the way that we all do business. So granted, she talks about it from the lens of, of Tanzania, but I think everything is, is directly applicable to where you are and what's going on in your country, in your government, and whether it's policies, whether it's civil unrest. She talks about, uh, you know, the protests in, in France that are currently going on. So uh, all, all important things to, to think about uh, and to and to be a part of from the standpoint of influencing change. And, you know, she, she talks about the importance of doing it all with a positive mindset. Absolutely. And one of the other things that I thought was really interesting is how she talked about that sometimes we take for granted what's in our own backyard. And I know that that happens, you know, in, in, uh, here in the States, you know, we can, we can do that. Like, you know, I live right near the Biltmore and somebody might say, well, when was the last time you were at the Biltmore? Well, it's been a while, right? Probably the last time, you know, somebody came in was a, was a tourist uh, here and I get to be a tourist in my own, my own backyard. But, um, you know, I think sometimes we do that and it's great to be able to get out and experience those things. And you see people say, Oh, I'm going to be a tourist in my own town for a day um, to go out and experience those things that are around you, because it can be easy when you see that every day. And when she's seeing lions and giraffes and tigers and, you know, uh, uh, elephants and things every day, it can be, can be uh, sometimes easy to take those things for granted every single, when you see them every single day. So I think that's an amazing reminder uh, just to be, be observant and be aware of what's around you, even when you're, you know, in your own hometown. And to recognize uh, how incredible it is. She she even says that she's amazed every time she's she's out in the wildlife because she sees something new. So I think that that is that's an important lesson. Whether you're on a safari in Tanzania or whether you're in a theme park or an aquarium or or a museum, that you're seeing something every single day that your guests are not, and allowing yourself to have that that enthusiasm as if you just traveled from the other side of the world to see it and then project that onto your guests who many of them are. So do you think it's time to uh, jet on over to Tanzania and experience this interview with Faith? Let's do it. Hi, Faith. Welcome to the Attraction Pros podcast. We are so excited to have you on today. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Doing, doing great, doing excellent. Uh, really excited for this conversation. Uh, to kick this off, Faith, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us about your background as as well as your career. Um, so you've introduced me already. My name is Faith, and sorry about that. I'm from Tanzania, and born and raised in Tanzania, and I am 21 years old right now. And well, growing up in Tanzania, my parents have been able to like provide me with the exposure when it comes to traveling and that's how I got into the traveling career like the travel experiences 
So like being outside the country, I was like, why are people not visiting my country? Why am I supposed to be visiting their countries? So I was like, yeah, um, I know one day I'm going to be able to like allow people to visit my country and see the beauty of my country. And that's how I got into the career because I love it. I'm passionate about it. And I cannot wait to see how far it takes me. Absolutely. Faith, I want to ask you a question because you just said, why are people not visiting your country? Have you cracked that nut yet? Have you figured that out? Why are people not visiting you? Because they're not aware. There isn't that much information out there about my country. And I feel like that's the only barrier right now between, you know, how how beautiful my country is and information that people have about my country. Yeah. Yeah, it's so fascinating. So can you, I, I would say, walk us through how you've really uh, been able to, to take this on and, and kind of create a career out of it? Um, it's been um, almost two years now since it started. And before I started, I just talked to my parents and told them, um, I think I really want to get into the travel and tourism industry. And I think having a tour company in Tanzania is going to, is going to be the best um, opportunity for me to be close to home and still be able to do things that I love. And so when I was still back in the UK, then I tried doing marketing. Every room I entered, no Tanzanians at all. I'm the only Tanzanian. Then people would ask questions about my country. And the only place they would know about Tanzania would be Zanzibar and less about the wildlife part and less about the mountains and every natural um, scenic places about Tanzania and I was like, yeah, um, ever heard of Mount Kilimanjaro? And everybody would be like, yeah, Mount Kilimanjaro is in Kenya. And but in reality, Mount Kilimanjaro is in Tanzania, not Kenya. Um, I'm not sure if you knew that, but yeah, Mount Kilimanjaro is in Tanzania. So I'd be like, yeah, you people need to travel around and see how beautiful Tanzania is. We've got like two, um, well, what do they, the wonders of the world, two of them are in Tanzania as well. And yeah, I believe we've got a lot more to show and a lot more to tell people about Tanzania, which they do not know about. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I just learned something about Mount Kilimanjaro. So thank you very much. Um, <laughs> You're so, welcome. Yeah. You are CEO of the Best Northern Tours and Safari. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, About being the CEO, about Best Northern Tours and Safari. It's not easy. Well, I thought it was <laughs> going to be very easy. Um, I thought it was going to be very smooth. I didn't know it was going to be challenging until I got in there. And I really, really thank God because it has really shaped me. And I'm pretty, I'm, I thank God I started at a very early age and I'm still at that age. And I'm still learning with every step that I'm taking because we've got companies that have been there for a very, very long time. And I'm really trying to learn from them and learn from how they do things and take on the challenges as well, having to make up a team that is really going to help me, um, having to like, you know, trust people with your, you know, because it's the first time you cannot really put your trust in somebody to do the services the way you want them done, especially when I was still back in the UK, because it started when I was still in the UK. So I just came back right now and I'm just, you know, on it, on it, on it. And right now I am in Dar es Salaam. Are we going to Arusha on Wednesday? That's where the um, headquarters are for the business. But like it hasn't been the easiest road. It hasn't been the easiest, but I'm pretty sure I'm I'm gonna get there someday. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, can you talk about maybe what what led you to being able to to take on this role? I'm looking at the uh, the company's LinkedIn page right now. Says it's uh, been operating for over ten years. So curious, for perhaps how you got you got connected and then moved quickly into the yeah. CEO role. No, no, no. Um, exactly. It has been there. But it was it was a very dormant company back then. Then, um, beginning of last year. Um, I spoke to my parents and I was like, why is it very dormant? Why is it not operating? Why is it just there? There's a lot of opportunities. And I was like, um, if you people are tired of it, I'll take on. So I had to rebrand it, remake it and get up and running. Um, so since last year, so I had to find my own team. Everything like um, we didn't have an office. We didn't, we didn't have anything. We only had you know, just the name and the company and it wasn't operating. It was very dormant. So I told my dad, um, I'll take on, on it and start working. So it was a family business, but it was dead. I was like, yeah, I'm going to bring it back to life because it's something that I love, something that I'm passionate about. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I am at the right age to at least take responsibilities. So I took that as my first big major responsibility and I've been on it since then. Wow. So many things that I would love to dive into about what you just said there. Um, can you first of all maybe talk about the challenges or the opportunities in rebranding uh, the business? Um, right now, because the, I'd say it's a little bit, the market is a little bit saturated when it comes to operators, to operators. So I think the most challenging thing right now is finding my niche and something that I would want to base on mostly or you know, expanding my services, not to only provide for operating services and probably provide like um hospitality, like have a hotel in Arusha or have somewhere to take my clients in Arusha because um ensuring your clients that you have a safe space to put them in um makes you a little a little bit more val validating to them as well. Um, something else that I'm really, really looking forward to doing is um, I'm trying to get investors to invest in electric um, safari vehicles because that is one thing that the, we're heading towards sustainable um, energy, sustainable practices. And I think um, that is one of the biggest opportunities that would really, really impact um, my company as well, because it is a, it is a it's a point where most of the people haven't really tapped into because at the moment we're providing, we're doing like travel for a cause campaign um, just to give back to the communities. Whenever a person uses Best North and Chosen Safari to go on a trip. So what we do is a part of the payment goes to the um, charities that we've got a contract with. And we do that every time we get um, clients to best through Best, best North and Chosen Safari. But like, yeah, I'd say finding a niche and finding a place that really works for me. And because I haven't been here for a very long time and coming back and just getting into it and it's just learning how the market operates while being here and working. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Faith, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the experience, or I should say the the experiences? You have uh, multiple different tours available. So can you kind of maybe walk us through what, uh, uh, you know, what best Northern Tours and Safari, what what you offer? Um, that's the most exciting part about <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I would say, um, well, we've got a lot to offer. I wouldn't lie. We've got the northern region and we've got the southern. We call them the northern circuit and the southern circuit. 
So for the northern circuit, we've got Kilimanjaro, we've got um, Arusha, two different places, two different regions, but in the same, um, just I think half an hour distance from both of them. And we've got Mount Kilimanjaro. And so we provide like people that want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. We provide five day routes, seven day routes, eight day routes, depending on how much time a person wants to spend during climbing the mountain. And we do provide um, do's and don'ts before and after climbing the mountain, because that's really, really important. Um, we also provide like scenic flights for Mount Kilimanjaro for people that do not want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro for five days. They can just do a scenic flight for one day, like for just a few hours, actually, just two hours or three hours of scenic flight um, to see Mount Kilimanjaro. Then we do have like hot springs so people can do day trips to Kilimanjaro just in case they don't want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro and just want to go around, see the mountain, do a day trip in Kilimanjaro. Then we do have Arusha where that's, mostly about the wildlife safaris that we have Serengeti. Um, I think that's the biggest and I think the most popular um, plains. It's, it's, it's a plain, it's just flat, but like we have migrations throughout the year. And we also have Ngorongoro crater. That's like deep down, you have animals down there and they like people and animals live together down there. And we also have Tarangiri National Park, we have Manyara National Park, they're all in Arusha and people can choose to do day trips or choose to spend days inside Serengeti. You cannot do a day trip to Serengeti, you can only do a day trip to Ngorongoro or Manyara in Tarangiri. So for Serengeti, you need like three days to get there. Then um, for the Southern Circuit, we've got more national parks down there. We've got more um, Mikumi National Park, um, Selu National Park. We've got a lot of national parks. We've got at least 29 or 30 national parks in Tanzania. Yeah. And they all have a vast amount of animals. Um, some of them are very popular for birds. Some of them are very popular for elephants. Some of them are very popular for lions. And we've got Zanzibar. That's the most popular sport in, in Tanzania. And people think Zanzibar is not part of Tanzania, but it is actually part of Tanzania. And it was um, a union between Tanganyika and Zanzibar that made Tanzania. And that was in 1964. So like we, Zanzibar is part of Tanzania as well. So like for beach holidays, I'd recommend people do the wild safari. Then towards the end of their stay, they do a beach holiday. Then they can get a direct flight from Zanzibar to wherever they're going. So that's just a summary of what Tanzania has to offer. <laughs> Yeah, well, you're you're making me want to visit, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, I want to do I'm all of happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Faith, Faith, you mentioned uh, a bit ago, and now hearing about all the different activities uh, that you have and the experiences, you mentioned building a team, and I would imagine building a team to create all these experiences was a bit of a challenge, as you mentioned. So I'd love to hear sort of how you put that team together. Um, I still haven't got a proper team. But I have got one person for sales and reservations. Then I've got one person for operations. I've got two drivers. And I've got an accountant that works in the government. So like because the business is still growing, I didn't think if having a proper accountant in the office is going to be beneficial for me. So I picked an accountant from the government to make sure that I am my taxes and my you know, legal requirements are being fulfilled every month and every year. And I think, yeah, my operations is the person that 
you know, makes makes sure if I have visitors or if, if I'm not around, she looks after them, she takes care of them and, you know, provide the services the way that they're supposed to be provided. But um, when it comes to actually wanting to put a team together, I'm looking forward to, not to say that I do not want to work with men, but I'm really looking forward because it is a, it is a, um, a side which is very, very saturated with men um, in the industry. So I'm looking forward to actually only have a team of women in my industry, in my company. And all my drivers are gonna be women. All my sales accountant, everybody's gonna be a woman in the company. And that is something I am working towards. Okay. Excellent. Uh, so you said, you know, a lot of your team is still kind of coming together and, uh, and, and coming into place. Can you talk about maybe some of, uh, uh, some of the ways that you're able to, uh, or that you're focusing on now while you're building this team to really align it with, uh, with, with the standard you're seeking. And you're talking about, you know, being able to, uh, to hire women drivers and a, a team of, of, of women staff. And, and really, I would say like aligning all of your efforts with, with the core values of the organization, as well as yourself. Um, at the moment, I'm still, um, working on putting an office together with the people that I already have on the table. And um, what would I say? I think that's that's just the first stage because I just came back. I've just been here for a month and I'm just going back to Arusha in two, in two days, the, the day after tomorrow. And I'm going to sit down with the team that I already have and speak to them and see how it's been since, you know, it started and I haven't been here. They do not know me in person. They just know me over the screen, just like this. <laughs> and I'm just going to sit down with them and hear what they have to say then. And lately I've been reading a book that is called Radical Focus. And I've been trying to, you know, try and put together OKRs and speak to them about the missions and goals and see if that we are really on the same page. And, you know, because I've already had customers and they've all given me back good feedbacks. And I'm like, so I feel like the team that I already have is really doing their job properly. So I'm just going to sit down in them and speak to them. And I already have female drivers. I'm just going to, you know, try and see, put KPIs in place. Um, yeah, put the objectives and key results that I expect from them as well. And, you know, move forward from there. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Faith, earlier you talked a little bit about sustainable tourism and you mentioned the electric vehicles that you're looking to uh, to acquire. Um, are there other elements to the tourism industry that could be more sustainable than they are right now? And if so, are those also things that you're looking at for your business? Yes, a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of things that really haven't been tapped into when it comes to sustainability, even in terms of um, having equal eco lodge like you know for the for the host, um, hotels or the camps in around there most of them they still have to use like proper electricity and not solar energy and i feel like for tanzania that has vast amount of sunlight that solar energy should be an an option like a first top option but it's not like just normal electricity is the option that people have um so when it comes to also like in, if i want to like get into the hotel business or you know providing hospitality when it comes to such services i'm really looking forward to making sure that if i'm to run a camp or have a tent 
it's all it's all gonna be solar solar system based and not electricity based. And when it comes to if I have electric cars, I'm gonna make I really have <laughs> plans in my head that I really hope they work when it comes to sustainability and you know making sure like imagine driving an electric safari car and you know just the animals being in a in a presence where it's quiet, not noisy, because most of the diesel cars, most of the safari cars are diesel cars and they're very noisy when it comes to safaris. But I'm really thinking, what if we all chose to have like electric cars and just let the animals live in peace or in harmony and you know, just be there and enjoy them, but then let them have their peace. You get what I mean? Yeah. But like having to provide services in terms of host communities, having to outsource everything to the host community around me, um, making sure that my employees as well, they're being looked after, they're being taken care of because they're part of um, making sure that the sustainable goals are being achieved. Um, who else? I think, yeah, I think even my customers as well, making sure um, they're part and parcel of, you know, giving back to the community or, um having to be part and parcel of the sustainable goals when it comes to bottles of water, making sure that they do not litter around, you know, the game drives, the game areas, game reserves, which is very, very dangerous to the animals. Um, just, you know, um, making sure that they're educated about looking after the environment around them whenever they're on a safari or on a trip with me. That is really, really important. And that is something that I really ask my team back in Arusha to make sure they let them know that they have to look after the environment around them. Do not throw any bottle outside. There's a dustbin in the car. <laughs> Just make sure you keep your places, you keep the environment around you very neat and very clean just for, for everyone's sake and not just for, for themselves. Mm. Yeah. You know, Faith, when uh, when we talk about kind of the, the different types of attractions and experiences and, and tying it in with, with tourism, Going on a safari tour for a lot of people seems like it's it's the peak. Like you you can go to a theme park, it's it almost is very easy, right? You go to a zoo, you buy a ticket, you go in, you fly to Tanzania to go on safari, and that is uh, for so many people a, a once in a lifetime experience, and and something that that a lot of people, especially people within our circle, probably never get to experience. Can you talk about really? what that experience is like and and why people from all over the world want to seek that out for for whatever transformation they they get from it the the people that have heard that have done it have just said that it's uh, just one of the most incredible things that that you can do in your life um cuz i've lived around animals you know the child um when it comes to visitors from Scandinavian countries or European countries, I'd say, um, it's quite different. It's a it's a it's quite a different experience. Um, the same way I'd say, if I was to travel from Tanzania to America just to see the theme park, it's the same way I'd say when a person travels from a Scandinavian country to Tanzania just to see the wildlife. So we, I've grown, I've I grew up around wildlife they didn't grow up around wildlife so being here is a different experience for a person who has not grown up around wildlife and it's I am amazed every time I go back into the wildlife because I see something different every time this time you might see um you can witness the ecosystem taking place you know how 
um the lions have to feed on other animals to get food you get what i mean um it's such a like it's a unique experience every time a person visits the wildlife because you see something different every time not having to see it on TVs, having to experience it in person. You know, sometimes you can even have the lion move very close to the vehicle, sit down over there, relax for a bit, leave. You know, such experiences. Um, you cannot just, you know, you cannot just tell somebody about it. You have to be there to see it for yourself and really connect with what you're seeing. And, you know, I think, I think that is the difference when it comes to you know why people would travel from other countries to Tanzania and why I would travel to the United Kingdom or the United States just to see something that I do not have it's it's just the connection that you get when you get there and experience things for yourself see things for yourself you know dive into it in, by yourself it's it's different and I promise you it is very very it's a magical experience because every time I go back I'm like I grew up around this. Why am I always still, you know, ex excited to see them, happy to see them? Just you, do, you just want to stay in there, but you can't. But like one of the things that I would tell people to really look out for is the expense when it comes to um, um, going on a safari. It is, I wouldn't say it's cheap because it's not. <laughs> especially for, for people traveling from other countries. We also have people in Tanzania that have never been to the, you know, never been to these parts. We've just seen them around. You can, sometimes you can just drive on your way to the village. You can just drive past them. So some people do not see the importance of really going into the wildlife and, you know, and seeing how things really are, how things really work when they're just a lot of animals living together. Um. Yeah, it's not really, it's not cheap. It is actually quite expensive. And um I'm more than happy to like, you know, cater to people's budgets as well. Like if people really want to go on a safari and they're planning to go on a safari, let's say in December, they can, you know, I'm more than happy to just tell them you can, you know, every month you can chip in, let's say a hundred dollars if you want to travel in December. So from January, you're chipping in a hundred dollars to prepare for your, let's say Christmas trip, Christmas family trip or New Year's um, trip. You can just chip in $200 and you have an account there where you can just put money in and just, you know, you can just send me a message or send me an email or send, just tell me faith, I've deposited um $200. This is for um the amount of money that I'm, I'm saving up for my family trip in December or family trip in next year in July. And I think that's the most, that's the easiest way for a person to really know, yeah, I'm really looking forward to going on that safari, really looking forward to go on that trip um, for it, for the, it keeps you motivated as well to look forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so interesting how you talk about almost taking for granted what you have in your backyard sometimes, you know, you said you've lived around this your whole life and Josh and I have lived around theme parks our whole lives. And, you know, to kind of switch the experiences would be really interesting. Um, but I'm also curious, you know, when it comes to the tour guides, I've been on a number of, of, you know, over here in the States, uh, wildlife tours or people that are, you know, pointing out animals and things like that. And the deep passion that they have and knowledge that they have about the animals. And as you were saying, you know, the sustainability and the, and the ecosystem and, and that type of thing, is that something you look for in the tour guide themselves? Or is it something that you, you train them for, or how do they, how do they get that knowledge and experience? Um, it really depends. Um, for the tour guides that I have, I really have, you know, to insist before, you know, whenever I have um, my 
visitors or my people coming for safari in, in Tanzania or in Arusha, uh, let them know, please make sure you're part of it as well. And make sure you educate the people around you about keeping the environment very, very clean and looking after the environment um, around them. And well, training, because I have a small team right now, so I haven't really done any training. It's just, you know, just speaking to them um, in a good manner and telling them you really have, that's something that you have to put on top of your pedestal. You have to be on top there and making sure you're letting them know. And most of the times when it comes to these lodges, if, if it comes to accommodations, I really do provide sustainable accommodations first. Then if a customer is not happy about them, that's when I recommend the other accommodations hmm. but like really looking out for the ones that are you know providing sustainable services as well yeah how much of the experience is or, or maybe it's it's about balancing the uh the educational aspect with the experience of itself and i i don't know if i want to use the word entertainment because it's not you know it's it's not entertaining but it is the people people are doing it for you know for, for a vacation right or for you know for that that bucket list trip or, or whatever it is but at the same time I, yeah. I you know you make such a good point that the the they, they need to be learning a lot while they're while they're on it is there a fine line is it all woven through it's a kind of how do you how do you balance uh maybe both of those throughout the experience um do you mean balancing education and being in the industry or the uh for the guest the, knowing that they're they're coming and they're having a once in a lifetime experience and at the same time they're going home saying we we need to do this and this and this because of sustainability because of animal conservation and and protecting protecting the planet um, so in terms of that, we do, when we're in contact with them via email, we let them know and tell them, so we, we've chosen this, um, accommodation or we've chosen this service for this purpose. And if they're not happy with it, we try our very best to make sure, even if unknowingly that they're participating in providing sustainable, um, services, we do try our very best to make sure that they're part of it in, um, for the, in terms of, you know, when they pay some of the amount goes to the host communities, um, it goes to the, um, orphanage centers. So, um, we do let them know that a part of their, of the money that is going there, despite them not, you know, wanting some ecologists or sustainable lodges. Um, we also let them know that we provide them with, um, reusable bottles that's um, we only buy water when we need to so we have reusable bottles where they have to use them throughout their stay even in their hotels we tell them just you know make sure you have water in your bottle when you come to the car or when we start a safari we're gonna have water in the car but like make sure that your water is always filled your bottle of water is always filled with water and you know do not throw it away keep it with you <laughs> that's your souvenir from best north angels and safari and <laughs> yeah we really try to make sure that they're part of it even if you know some of them are not really educated about it or do not really see the importance of the importance of having to play part in making the world sustainable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Faith, I'm wondering if we can switch gears just for a second, because in a LinkedIn post, you discussed how the political, social and economic situation of a country can really drive the growth of the tourism and travel sectors of any host destination. Can you uh, maybe dive a little deeper into that and tell us a little bit more about what you meant there? 
Um, so I attended an exhibition last year, if not this year in March. Yeah, it was this year in March. And I met um, a person from Thailand and I was speaking to them and they were like, they were complaining about how the tourism sector has really gone down lately. And I sat down and I was like, that really makes a lot of sense. So for instance, if we had political unrest in Tanzania, we wouldn't have visitors coming to Tanzania. When you speak of how France is um, going through the, you know, um, rallies and all of that, that means if if somebody was planning to go to France in the next coming week, they have to cancel their trip because it's not safe for them. And I was like, so like, that is how deep things are when it comes to um, inflation, um, wars, political crimes, or anything that really touches into the political system of a, of a country or it touches into the social system of, the, of a country. For instance, if we do not have like proper um, what would, health services, that means it wouldn't have been beneficial for people wouldn't wouldn't come to Tanzania if they were not sure they were going to be able to get health services whenever they needed them. Um, when it comes to like water services, a lot of things, like small, small things, but they really, really impact um most of the tourist destinations um in the world so um i was like i didn't really i've never i didn't i've never paid attention to how these things affect tourism until i spoke to that lady um in one of the exhibitions i like yeah they, they've had issues with china like the mainland and that has really impacted them in terms of tourism and most of the tourists are not going to that side of the country and they're only they're only based in in that country they've also had like inflations and a lot to do with their currency and they haven't really been able to like you know make use of the currency and travel outside the country and they are really trying now to get people back into visiting their countries and trying to get people to like you know travel to other parts of the world yeah i mean this makes perfect sense and and it sounds like it can be uh just such a big challenge and when i even think of of things in the united states it it can differ from state to state in terms of the the political and socioeconomic climate and even during the entire pandemic it felt like every single state was its own individual country with a completely different uh you know a, a completely different experience based on based on what the government was doing and in in that situation and other similar ones like like uh like you're describing i can imagine that it makes operators of tourism feel powerless or feel helpless because there's there's so many external factors that uh that you can't necessarily control so i think the the question then is how do you uh, how do you turn that into into action to help you're helping yourself and your business while at the same time also doing what you can to to help your country thrive and help the the tourism industry flourish um most of these things are like out of our control. Like when it comes to tour operators, it really is out of our control. And I've heard a lot of stories of companies that really, that died during COVID, that did not really prosper after COVID. And they're just, you know, trying to tap into visitors that really come into Tanzania without a plan in their head. And that's how they get visitors these days because of some of them that even decided to close off their companies, sell off some of their big um, safari cars. And the only good thing is I didn't start during COVID. <laughs> I started after COVID. Um, what I would say is just, you know, I don't know, keep, keep a positive mind and 
um, just work through it. It's it's never easy. It's um, when it comes to things that are out of our control, out of our reach. Just put a positive mind and you know work with what you what you have on the table. Work through it. Find a way to like you know keep the visitors coming. If it's to like um, assure them of safety or assure them of you know anything that is going to give them the peace of mind of still traveling to Tanzania and. For, because sometimes um, if, if it's political unrest or if it's crimes, most of the times they're happening in different cities um, and probably not in Arusha. It could probably be in the south and Arusha is in the north. But like, you know, as long as it's Tanzania, nobody really cares. They're all going to say that's Tanzania. But like, you know, having to assure your people of the safety in the area that they're going and, you know, giving them just the just the peace of mind and keeping a positive mind as well towards like towards working through such situations. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. I think we say that we see that same mentality over here. If somebody sees something on TV or social media about New York, right. Then it's all of New York. Right. And they, they kind of lump that together. And now I'm going to cancel my trip to, to New York because this one little thing happened over here. Um, so I can definitely see how that would happen over in Tanzania. Uh, one of the things I'm curious about is, you know, over here, we have a lot of visitors bureaus and, and people that do a lot of marketing to show people that it's not just, you know, those little things that you see on social media. So do you also have marketing um, uh, initiatives, whether it's through your company or through, you know, even even the continent of Africa that tells people, hey, it's it's safe to come here. It's good to come here. It's it's not those little isolated incidents. I've never seen that before. OK, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think everybody's just by them, you know, by themselves, they do marketing just on Instagram or just marketing on um, Twitter or Facebook. But like, well, we had we had a tour to um, it was a royal tour to to America, which um, I think that is when our president was trying to take Tanzania out there, put Tanzania out there. And it actually worked. I believe it worked because we've been having an increase in tourists. We've almost had 1 million tourists last year. And and I think that was as, as a result of the royal tour that she did in America. Um, I think that's the only big thing when it comes to tourism that we've done as a country but otherwise i've never i don't think if i've have you ever seen um an ad on tv or a campaign about tanzania on tv have you no i haven't that's why I... <laughs> um, so i don't think if but like i've ever thought of it i have my relatives who live in florida and we were actually thinking of doing a marketing campaign or marketing ad on tvs and radios about tanzania but like I didn't, I didn't go forward with it. Um, but now that you've mentioned, I think, I think you were just trying to <laughs> spark <laughs> that idea back in my mind and see, you know, how far that can go as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Faith, we have we have a few minutes left here. We have uh, maybe a couple more questions that uh, that we'd love to cover. Uh, one of them is about uh, perhaps maybe what the rest of the attractions industry can learn from what you're doing in Tanzania and with, and with uh, Best Northern Tours. Are there any, I would say, kind of lessons or, or advice or things that uh, that perhaps a lot, of, a lot of the industry is able to embrace that, that you're doing? 
Um, well, what I would say is do not give up. Like, um, yes, it's going to be very, I don't know, some, some can be smooth, some can be very hard, but like you keep going as long as you're, you have the results in mind that you want to see for yourself or the things that you want to see yourself um, build when it comes to the travel and tourism industry. It's a very wide industry. It has a lot of things that haven't been tapped into and there is always a way out. There is you cannot go through a problem and and not find a way out unless you think the problem is the end of everything. But like if you're planning to get somewhere, you can always get through the problems, the solutions, and take them as lessons that you have to take with you throughout the you know throughout the journey of getting where you want to get to. And having like I I very much insist on having a very positive mind about everything, and you know take risks take them and you never know how far they could take you or you know you never know what lessons you could take from the risks that you're that you're being a little bit skeptical about taking them um yeah and be very confident um speak about your business as much as you can <laughs> yeah that's the only way it's going to be out there well that is that is a lesson that I had to learn by myself as well I'm you know I'm very when I meet a person, I wouldn't speak. I'll just, you know, I, I, unless they're welcoming, that's when I'll speak. If they're not welcoming, I'm like, do I really have to speak to them? But like, you just have, you know, you just have to silence that one. The, you know, it's, I think, I don't think, I think it's like an imposter syndrome or I don't know, like you have to really silence it and, you know, go out there and do what you have to do. You never know if you, you're missing a chance on speaking to a person who is really going to help you out at the end of the day um yeah and that is the reason why i also took on this opportunity because you never know <laughs> how yeah. far this could take me yeah I, I love all that advice especially about taking risks um, because you never know what's going to be on the other side of that so um, maybe to dive a little deeper into that what have been some of your favorite risks that have paid off um having to leave my family behind and go for university in a country far away from home and I really, I'm really happy I decided to take that risk. And because, you know, back home you have everything, everything is provided for, you know, life is easy. But being in a country, you do not know anybody. You do not have any friends. It's your first time. Um, Yeah, that was like, a, you know, when it comes to the growth curve, that was, you know, that was the elevating part of the growth curve. And... And I think that's also the reason why I decided to take on responsibilities very early because I feel like, I mean, I've been able to look after myself after being looked after for years and now deciding to do things by myself. My my parents were not willing to let me go, but I was like, yeah, it's about time. I was a little bit too comfortable. I was in my comfort zone and I needed to get out of my comfort zone and really experience life by myself and see how things are really out there in reality. What is it? What is it like? Uh, not being around parents and having to you know do things by yourself and grow by yourself so like it, when it comes to taking risks that was one of the biggest one and probably having to like you know decide to take responsibilities by myself that was a risk as well because I didn't know it I didn't know well I only knew business on the books I didn't know it practically so having to you know, decide that I'm going to do it. And now it's been a year and a half and I'm still there. And I know I'm going to be at 
far far better than I am right now in the next, you know, two to three years, I'll be better than I am right now. And I cannot wait to see what, you know, the future holds when it comes to the travel and tourism industry. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Excellent. Uh, this has been uh, so inspiring and, and just so fascinating. Uh, I do have another question for you, though, and that is that I, I out of all the tours and experiences that you offer, do you have any personal favorites or, or any that are uh, perhaps uh, particularly close to your heart? Um, I don't have one, but I would say <laughs> I would say for having um the camp safari in Serengeti I think that is one of the I think that was that is the one that I hold very close to my heart and I think I'll do it every year if I had the opportunity to um having to camp and you know just wake up in the morning you can actually just walk out of your camp and find an elephant just chilling outside your camp or find yeah or find you know like the wild cows just chilling outside your camp or a hyena would when you're sleeping at night, you can even hear hyena just walking around your camp. But like, you know, th those are the experiences that really excite me. And I'm like, I can, I, I'm more than happy to do it every year. I'm that person who like, you know, these things, you cannot experience them if you cannot really know how it feels until you're there and you experience it. That is for, you know, camping safaris. And I would say that is one of the first recommendations I'd give a person who really wants to visit Tanzania and really experience, you know, the world safari um, trips. Yeah. Well, I think Josh was asking for himself, really, um, <laughs> <laughs> to figure out where to start with all these experiences. Um, so I'm there. I'm sold. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, Faith, this has been a wonderful uh, conversation. And thank you so much again for your time. If people want to learn more about you or uh, Best Northern Tours and Safaris, where would you send them? Um, on my LinkedIn page, and I think I am readily available on my LinkedIn page, and I've actually um attached my best northern tours and safari information on there as well. So if anyone can reach me out through LinkedIn on my private LinkedIn or through the best northern tours and safari LinkedIn page, um, I'm readily available on there on every social media that has best northern tools and safari i am active <laughs> and um on email as well so if person wants to reach me via email i am available on email as well that is faith at best northern safari.com excellent we'll make sure to take all those put them in the show notes so people have have easy access to get a hold of you or uh or to learn more about best northern but uh I, once again, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, uh, to share all of this with us. We greatly appreciate it. And to everyone out there who's watching and listening, just remember, we are all Attraction Pros. Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release. And even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.